Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. We are in the middle of a month-long campaign called Heart 4. And this series is designed to increase our awareness of the heart of God. This series is going to lead us into our annual serve day, which is going to be on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And as has already been mentioned, today is the last day to sign up for your free serve day t-shirt. And so make sure that you go to the resource center and sign up, or you can do it on the DCC app on your smartphone. And so just make sure you sign up today. Um, Throughout this month, we are focusing on the things that move the heart of God. We're, we're specifically looking at the things that God has a heart for. The first week, I spoke on the topic, heart for the loss. And Jesus has always been concerned with that which is lost. In Luke chapter 15, he teaches three parables about lost things. And all, in all three of these stories, when what was lost was found, there was a celebration. And God's heart beats for humanity. And his heart breaks when there are people who are lost and do not know his son as Savior. Our salvation should cause us to seek those that are lost. We, sh- we too should have a heart for the lost. Last week I explained to you that we live in a culture that devalues the local church. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says that Jesus loves the church like a husband is supposed to love a wife. That means he has a heart for her. And he loved the church so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own will, to sacrifice his own desires, and he was willing to die for her. And I told you last week, because Christ died for the church, we should be willing to live for her, right? We must rekindle the love, the devotion, and the the dedication to that which Christ has a heart for. One afternoon, there was a wealthy man. He was riding in his limousine when he saw these two men alongside the road eating grass. And so he looked at his limo driver, he was very disturbed, he said, stop, stop, I need, I need to investigate this, I need to check this out. And so he got out of his limo and he walked over to the two men and he said, why are you eating grass? And one of the poor men said, we don't have any money for food, so we're forced to eat grass. And the rich man answered him and said, well then, you can come with me to my house and I'll feed you. The man replied, he said, but sir, I have a wife and two children with me, they are over there under that tree. And he said, bring them along. And so turning to the other poor man, he stated, you come with us also. And the second man said, but sir, I also have a wife and six children with me. The rich man replied, he said, even better, bring them all. So they all got into the limousine. And as they're riding down the road in the limousine, one of the poor fellows looked at the rich man and he said, sir, you are just too kind Thank you for being such a good Samaritan and taking us all with you. And the rich man replied, he said, glad to do it. You'll really love my place. The grass is almost a foot high. (laughs) Good Samaritans are hard to find. True good Samaritans are hard to find. It, It seems that most people these days will only go out of their way if there's something in it for them. If there's some way that they're going to benefit from helping somebody, then they don't mind going the extra mile and helping someone because there's something in it for them. 
Our society has become so consumed with our own wants and our own agendas and our, our own schedules that we seldom have the desire to help someone in need. And even we as Christians must often be reminded to focus on the need of others. One of the reasons why I believe that this church is so blessed and one of the reasons why I believe we're so successful is because there are a few times each year where we corporately focus on the needs of others. Take the first quarter of every year. Instead of giving towards our building fund, you are encouraged to give toward missions. And we tell you, don't give to the building fund. Give to missions because that's where we believe God's heart is. And we want to do something with that. We want to do something about that. Thanksgiving, we're participating in that right now. We're, we're collecting food, non-perishable food items as a food drive so that we can bless other people. We can give to those that are in need. Our annual serve day is coming up, and on that annual serve day, we will give of ourselves doing something kind for others, not to mention our free community events. Uh, for instance, like, like uh, Family Fest or our Easter egg hunt, where we spend thousands of dollars to bless people so they can come and experience a family event together. Last year, towards the end of the year, over a three-and-a-half-month period, you were challenged to raise an additional $25,000 to build a chapel at the orphanage that we support in Guatemala. And you did so. You were not reluctant with it. You were cheerful in doing that. And we raised that money it just uh, in record time. It was amazing how you responded. Being a part of this church, it gives us the opportunity to be good Samaritans as a corporate whole. But intentionally... God has designed the church in a way that the corporate church is made up of individuals. That each and every one of us, everybody in this room, every individual, we make up the corporate church. And it's not by accident because as individuals, this makes the church mobile and active at all times. We should not only be productive on Sundays and on Wednesdays. Sure, we make corporate differences during those days, but, but, but the church should be alive and breathing seven days a week. shouldn't just be two days a week. Seven days a week, the church needs to be vibrant. We need to be alive. We need to be doing something. And as individual members of the body of Christ, we have opportunities to do good in places that the church as a whole might not be able to get into like your work. Can you imagine? There's people on your job, they need to experience the love of Christ. Can you imagine if the whole church showed up at your job? How strange would that be? How weird. We wouldn't be productive. They would look at us like we are a cult. That's how they would look at us. It wouldn't be productive at all. No, it would be so abnormal. But we as individuals, when we go into the workplace, we can reach people that the church can't always reach corporately because the church is mobile through us as individuals. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. You see, our time together right here in this room, the time that we spend together serving and worshiping, it prepares us for ministry opportunities when we're not together. We are to encourage each other and we are to stir one another for good works because the opportunities are out there. And trust me, as soon as I'm done with this message today and you walk out of these doors, they're going to be right on the forefront of your mind. You are going to see some opportunities that you've never seen before. 
God is going to reveal these things to you. I want our eyes to be so open that we not only see these opportunities, but we also act upon them. And today, church, it's a call to action. Maybe, maybe you can't change the world, but you can change your street. You, you can change your workplace. You can change your school. You can even change your home. You see, you might not be able to change the masses, but you can change one person's mess. And maybe that's what God is calling you to do this week. It's time that we, the church, express our faith in, in everyday life, not just within the confines of these walls. It's time that the church becomes practical. It's time that, that we develop a heart for good because he has a heart for good. James 1 and 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Every good and perfect gift is from above. That means there's moments in your life when he will use you to bless someone else. And that blessing that comes into their life is a good and perfect gift. And it's coming down from God, but he's using you as the conduit to reach them. So the question is, how do we show the world the love of Christ? How do we show our world right around us? How do we show the world the love of Christ? And it's, it's simple. It's by doing good. This is part of the mandate that's on our lives as Christians. But it's something that we so easily forget to do good because that's what he did. In Acts 10 and 38, Peter summarizes the, the earthly ministry of Christ with these words when he says he went around doing good. When he summarizes the ministry of Christ, that's what he says. Christ went around doing good. Therefore, when we follow in his footsteps, we too must go around doing good. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Now listen, I don't want anyone in the room to walk out of here with bad theology. You need to understand that you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't work your way there. He says, not a result of works so that no one may boast. But he's, then he says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're not saved because of your works. You are saved for good works. It's something that should be coming out of us, that it should be a natural part of, 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 of our process, that as believers, we understand that once we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we too must be going around doing good. We must be performing good deeds. Titus 2 and 14 says, He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. That's what he's called us to do, to be totally committed to doing good deeds. And today I want us to look at a parable that Jesus told to teach us how to do good in a practical way. If you will, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, I'm going to be, begin reading at verse 25. And it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he had saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. I think that the message of this parable is very simple, church. Somebody had to get off of his donkey to help someone else. Just be glad I'm not reading it out of the King James today. <laughs> Somebody had to get off of his donkey to help someone else. Look at your neighbor and say, get off your donkey. As opposed to the others in this parable, he stopped what he was doing to help someone in need. He was willing to stop going in the direction he was going, he was not willing to pass by without helping someone who was hurting. But before we look at the Samaritan, I want us to look at the other two men that are involved in this parable. The priests and the Levite. They represented leaders in the Jewish organized religious system. You see, the priest was responsible for performing sacrifices, offering prayers, and other temple practices that are central to Judaism. Levites, they took care of the day-to-day -day chores and functions of the temple. They, they would prepare the utensils for ritual use. They would also maintain the buildings and the grounds around the temple. And together, the priests and the Levite, they were in charge of running and managing organized religion. But everybody listening, everyone who could hear Christ telling this parable, they all knew that if either the priest or the Levite were to touch a dead person, that they would immediately be disqualified from active duty until they went through a purification process. It said so in the law, in the Old Testament, that there were strict guidelines for that. And so they knew if, this, if they went over and touched this guy and he was dead, then they would not be qualified for active duty until they went through that process. The half-dead man represented a dilemma for these religious leaders. Maybe they thought that he was already dead, or, or maybe they were afraid that, that if they were helping him and he died while they were helping him, that then they would be unclean or be considered unclean. Either way, they opted out of helping a dying man so that they could still perform their religious duties. It's one of my biggest fears. 
is that I'll get so caught up in performing my religious duties that I'll forget to look for the people who are in need. That I'll sit right there on my donkey and ride right on by. And I won't realize who's hurting around me. In telling this parable, Jesus was turning their religious system upside down. He was suggesting that people's needs take priority over religious routine. Trust me. We've seen the other side of that even here in this church because we have been ridiculed by the, relig- by the religious people uh, uh, that for our annual serve day being on a Sunday. I've had people actually stop me and say, why do y'all do that on Sunday? You, you know that's the Lord's day. You need to be doing that on a Saturday. Well, why do you do that? And maybe even some of you that are new around here and you haven't been through a serve day yet, you might scratch your head wondering why. Why do you do that? It's simply because Jesus said it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. He's the one that said it. And so we as a church, at the moment when all of us are together, listen, if I did it on a Saturday, half of you wouldn't be here. But we do it on a Sunday when we're all here together, one big church family, and we go out and we do good for the community. But, but, but trust me, there are people that don't understand that because people's needs don't take priority over a religious routine. Or maybe for the priest and the Levite, it had nothing to do with religion at all. Maybe they weren't worried about touching a dead man. Maybe these two men were simply too consumed with their busyness to get involved in someone else's pain. I think we can all relate to that excuse. I've been there before. Maybe you have too. That we see somebody hurting, but man, we've got our own things, our own priorities that we have to get done. Sometimes we are so distracted by all that we have going on that we miss what's happening around us. We missed what's right there but within reach that he has put us in the middle of and we don't realize he is trying to use us to reach that person and trying to bless that person. Specifically, we miss opportunities to do good because we are simply too busy to stop. But then Jesus does the unthinkable. You see, he's already painted this picture to where the priests and the Levites They didn't respond favorably. They didn't do the right thing. And then Jesus, just being willing just to to, to, to just charge right on through this thing, not not, really, he doesn't care how it's going to upset the crowd in the middle of this. He does the unthinkable when he makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. And you don't get that unless you understand what a Samaritan was was looked at and how they were looked at during a time like that. Samaritans were considered the dogs of society by full-blooded Jews. You see, they were viewed as ethnically inferior since they were the offspring of Jews and other people groups. They were viewed as half-breeds, not people. And this was the worst of discrimination as it was based both on religion and race. This is the worst discrimination that somebody could possibly be under. So imagine the audience when Jesus tells them that the Samaritan is the one that got it right. That the religious leaders, they they didn't answer the right way. They didn't get this thing right. They didn't respond the right way. But the Samaritan, the dog of the day, he is the one that got it right. And what did he do? What did he do that, that, that made it right? It's simple. He got off his donkey and he helped someone. 
He was willing to stop what he was doing to help this man in need. And that's what the kingdom of God needs. We need more people that will get off their donkeys and do something good for someone else. We are so good at seeing hurt, pain, and injustice. We are. We're masters at it. We can recognize it. But we've got to get better at responding to it. You see, we will change our social media profile picture in a heartbeat. We can hashtag about whose life matters with with, with the best of them. We are very good at being empathetic. But we have to be more than empathetic because our actions are pathetic. And God has called us to be so much more than that. You see, it's one thing to recognize. The Samaritan, the Bible says that the Samaritan looked at the man and had pity on him. We're good at that. We are good at looking at somebody and having pity on them. But what we're bad at is actually doing something about it. We've got to learn, church, to share God's love in a very practical way. We've gotten away from it. We've gotten away from actually being the hand of God extended into people's lives. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You see, that's what they're waiting on. They're waiting for us, church, to show them our faith by our works. They need to see what we're willing to do and how we are willing to help because the world around us is full of evil. We've watched it this week. Bad things happen all around us. Witness innocent lives being killed in Paris. And it just reminds us that it's bad and it's getting worse. But don't be discouraged by that. Because we've got the perfect opportunity to make a big difference when we do the smallest of good acts. You see, it's the smallest of lights that that are the brightest in the darkest of nights. And that's what we need to remember. It may be dark all around us, but man, when we let our light shine, when we actually are that city on a hill that cannot be hidden, when we actually become those people, we are the ones that will make a difference. And it might not start with a worldwide movement. It might just start right there on your street. It might start right there on your job or in your school. It might just be in your home that you actually perform a random act of kindness for someone. So easy. Jesus said, even a Samaritan can do it. Out of all the people he could have picked, the low life of society that everybody looked down on, Jesus said, even he can do it. I recently read the amazing story of Phyllis Melvin, also known as Dime Lady from Columbia, South Carolina. This quiet senior citizen, she doesn't fit the profile of a charitable figure because she's not famous and and she certainly was not rich. See, Phyllis just had a simple desire to help. She wanted to help somebody. And her mission in life was raising money for Harvest Hope Food Bank 
And, and she did it with just t- uh, these tiny, small donations. She got the nickname Dime Lady because she would collect dimes from locals, uh, only raising a few cents at a time. But Melvin's results, however, they were staggering. She would take the food bank $21 at a time that she collected in dimes. That's what the, the, the food bank manager, that's how he described it. He said she would collect $21 in dimes at a time, and she would bring us $21. And over the lifespan of her mission, it all added up to $10,000 that she gave to that mission. Over the last several years of her life, they said that she became more and more frail, but she still kept going, still kept collecting dimes. And it's believed that the money that she raised helped pay for over 70,000 meals. 70,000 meals because she was willing to go above and beyond and collect dimes. And so the question comes to our minds, how can you make a difference? How can you make a difference? I told you, Heart Forward is a campaign. It is a reprogramming of our hearts and of our minds. And so what do we do? How do we go out and have a heart for good? As Christ had a heart for good. How do we do this? We want to help start this process in you in some small practical ways. And here's what we're doing for you today. We have these small random acts of kindness cards that we want to give you as you walk out of this room. Listen, on one side it says hashtag heart for good. On the other it says showing God's love in a practical way. And here's what we want you to do. We want you to take these with you as you leave. Take as many as you like. We want you to give these out as you perform random acts of kindness to others. Now, I don't want to deceive anyone in the room. I'm going to be honest with you. At the bottom there, it says, at DCC Newberry. On the other side, it also has our logo. This is intentional. We need some good press. Not us as a church. The body of Christ. There are so many people that are willing to discredit us, so many people that are willing to put us down. It's time that somebody sees the body of Christ doing something positive. And so we intentionally want them to know, yes, it's a bunch of Christians that are doing this. And let me tell you how you can use these cards. They're very handy, very practical. You can put them in your wallet. You can put them in your purse. You can put them in your front pocket if you want to. But you take these cards, and, and what you do is you, you go through the drive through You pay for the card behind you in the drive through Hand the cashier this card and tell them, say, please give this card to the car behind me. And so they get their food for free, and they get this card, and it says, showing God's love in a practical way. You never know how you might change a stranger's life, rekindle a faith that maybe has been lost just by one act of kindness. Maybe buy someone's coffee and give them this card. Rake your neighbor's yard, and when they ask, why did you do that, give them this card. Just say, I'm showing God's love in a practical way. You know what you could do? You could go buy a bunch of 9-volt batteries, and you can give them to the people in your neighborhood to replace the batteries in their smoke detectors in their houses because nobody ever buys 9-volt batteries to replace smoke detectors in their houses. You know that, right? Nobody ever does. Whenever it starts beeping, you don't have one. Go buy a pack of them. Take them to your neighbors and say, listen, this is for your smoke detectors. I just want to show you God's love in a practical way. There are a million and one ways that you can show God's love in a practical way. This is just the tool to open that door for you. This is just a reminder for you that you can do this. The problem is we don't have a million and one people that are willing to do it. 
but you can. You might not be able to change the masses, but you can change one person's mess. Somebody's life will be changed because of your random acts of kindness over the next couple of weeks. I don't want you to miss the conversation and how it started between Jesus and this expert in the law. Before Jesus told him the parable of the Good Samaritan, I want you to remember how the conversation started. Luke 10, verse 25 says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's an honest question. Even though he's trying to test Jesus, it's an honest question. What do I have to do, Jesus? What do I have to do to gain eternal life? And Jesus answers the question by telling him to do good by going out of his way for others. I'm not here to mess up our theology, and, and I know that there's only one way to heaven. I, I get all that. There's only one way to obtain salvation, and that's through Jesus Christ. But this is the question that was posed to Christ, and this is how he answers. How do I obtain how do I get eternal life? And he says, well, let me give you a good starting point. Change your actions. Start noticing the hurting people. Go out of your way to help these people. Develop a heart for good because I have a heart for good. And I started this message by telling you that it's hard to find true good Samaritans, that, that everybody wants something in return. Well, here's the good news. Maybe you're not convinced today. Maybe you're still one of those people that you think, well, what's in it for me? That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. We don't always get it. We don't always understand why we do the things that we do. But I'll promise you this. There is always something in it for us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 and 19 says, They, they is us. He's talking about us. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I'm not, I'm not going to be the one to tell you that you have to do good works to get to heaven. But according to Timothy, or according to Paul writing to Timothy, there certainly is rewards in heaven for doing good works. That once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, there are things that we can do along the path, along the road, and there's moments when we will see someone hurting and we're going to have to stop, get off our donkey, and do something about it. And he says, if you'll do it, there's rewards for you in heaven. That's the promise that we have. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.